Welcome to this special episode of Royally Screwed. My name is Chris Shearer, and usually I would be talking about some of the best, worst, and craziest rulers throughout history. Okay, technically I still am for this mid-break special. Sometimes there are historical figures I'd love to cover, but I know that there's not really enough information about them to make up a whole episode. The figure I'm covering in this episode is one such person, Gao Changgang, also known as the Prince of Lanling. He was a prince and military general within the Northern Qi Dynasty, who we'll learn about in a bit. While he was known for being both incredibly intelligent and incredibly brave, the Prince of Lanling is mostly known for one thing. He was apparently super attractive. Like, to quote Derek Zoolander, really, really, really ridiculously good looking. So good looking that he is part of an exclusive group known as the Four Most Handsome Men of China. So, without further ado, let's begin the story. We're going back in time to China in the mid 6th century CE in Too Hot to Handle. The background history lesson this time around will focus on the Northern Qi Dynasty of China, also known as the Later Qi Dynasty, the Gao Qi Dynasty, or even just the Qi Dynasty. It was a short-lived dynasty that only lasted from 550 to 577 CE, although six different emperors would reign during that time. This specific dynasty existed during a 160-year period known as the Northern and Southern Dynasties. It was a time of civil war that followed the more tumultuous time period known as the Sixteen Kingdoms. Though things were slightly more condensed from 16 down to, for the most part, two or three dynasties, the territory we would think of as China, specifically Eastern China, was in a period of contradictions. While civil war and political upheaval were the flavors of the day, it was also a period of massive cultural and technological development. Towards the end of the Sixteen Kingdoms period, the Northern Wei Dynasty began going around and conquering the kingdoms in northern China, setting up their own dynasty as the sole rulers in the north by the year 439 CE. This left the southern lands in control of the Eastern Jin Dynasty. Things officially became the Northern and Southern Dynasty period when the Liu Dynasty, aka the Southern Liu, swooped in and took the throne from the Eastern Jin in the year 420 CE. Yes, I know that happened earlier than the Wei officially forming, but the Wei were more powerful first. About a century later, in 523 CE, the Northern Wei Dynasty was beginning to experience internal disruptions due to revolts caused by ethnic differences. China was becoming more and more ethnically Han, the ethnic group that is now the vast majority of the nation. The other ethnic groups of northern China were being forced to adopt the Han way of life, which they were not very big fans of doing. Revolts led to food shortages, which led to further riots. In 535, the dynasty split in half, with the more ethnically Hans living in the west while the non-Han ethnic groups lived in the east, thus forming the West Wei and Eastern Wei dynasties. The Eastern Wei dynasty would only last for 15 years under one emperor, Emperor Zhao Jing, though he was effectively just a puppet ruler as he was fairly young for most of his reign. 
Because military advisors were the true minds behind the Eastern Wei dynasty, it should only be natural that the dynasty fell due to military disputes. The emperor was forced to abdicate in favor of Gaoyang, known as the Prince of Qi, hence the dynasty being named the Northern Qi. The Northern Qi became the most powerful of the three ruling dynasties at the time. By this point, the Western Wei had collapsed, forming the Northern Zhao dynasty, and the rulers of southern China, which at this point had also split in half, were the Chen dynasty and the Western Liang dynasty. Also, side note, this Zhao dynasty is different from the Zhao dynasty I covered back in the episode over Wu Zetian. And it was in this period of qi strength and political turmoil that the prince of Lanling was born. Gao Chang'gong was born in 541 to Gao Cheng, the older brother of Gao Yang, aka Emperor Wen Xuan, the first emperor of the Northern Qi. At a young age, he was given the title Prince of Lanling, Lanling being a modern-day county in the Shandong province of China, which had been a stronghold for the Qi since ancient times. Sometime between 561 and 564, Lanling's uncle Gao Zhang, the fourth Qi Emperor, Emperor Wu Chang, made him a general of the Qi army. As I said earlier, Lanling was super good looking, some saying androgynously beautiful and others saying beautiful like a woman, so make of that what you will. It's not made explicitly clear why, but because of his looks, Lan Ling wore a demonic mask whenever he went into battle. I'm trying to figure out if this was for his troops' morale, or if it was so his enemies took him seriously. Not super great either way, because why can't pretty men be military leaders? His most famous military accomplishments are the times he protected the cities of Jinyang and Jinyong. Jinyang, which is the present-day city of Taiyuan in the province of Shanxi, had come under attack from the first Turkic Khaganate. The first Turkic Khaganate, which was actually the first group to use Turkic in a political sense rather than just as a language, was a massive empire with lands that stretched across northern China, Mongolia, and Kazakhstan. With the Qi army at his command, Lanling was able to repel the Kagignate from his family's kingdom, earning him respect as a military hero. His defense of Jinyong, however, is much more famous. In 564 CE, the Northern Zhou dynasty attempted to invade the Qi dynasty. With an army of 100,000 soldiers, the Zhou laid siege to the city of Jinyong. With only 500 cavalrymen, so horse-mounted soldiers, Gao Chang'gong arrived at the city and fought his way through the Zhou army to the gates of the city. However, because he wore that scary mask, the people of Jinyong didn't recognize the Qi prince. It was only after he removed his mask and helmet that his own people recognized that handsome face. With morale boosted at the sight of their prince, the people of Jinyong opened the gates, rushing out to join their fellow countrymen in the fight against the Zhou. With Gao Chang'gong once more leading an army, they managed to repel the Zhou. Once more, Lan Ling had saved the day, and his popularity soared to new heights. <music> 
In Lonling's honor, a song and dance titled The Song of the Prince of Lonling Entering the Battle Camp, more simply just called The Great Mask, was composed and played at the royal court. It was supposedly so popular that it remained within the court's portfolio even during the Tang Dynasty, which reigned from 618 to 907. It was at some point during the Tang Dynasty that the dance was brought over to Japan where it too became a popular hit. And though the original version of the Great Mask song and dance was eventually lost to time in China, a variation of it still remains a cultural part of some Japanese ceremonies. But moving back to Gaochanggang, the Prince of Lanling was one of the most popular people within the dynasty, if not the most popular. This was all well and fine under Emperor Wu Chang, but things didn't stay that way after Wu Chang died and his son Gao Wei, aka Emperor Hoju, ascended to the throne. The new emperor, Lanling's cousin, was jealous of the great military commander. At some point, Hoju confronted his cousin and, talking about Jing Yong, said, You penetrated too deeply into the formation. If you had suffered a military reverse, it would be too late to regret such an action. Lan Ling, perhaps not understanding the misstep he was about to say, responded, I am responsible for our family's affairs. I did it without considering the consequences. Hoju instantly became suspicious at Lan Ling's implications of being responsible for the family, aka the Qi Dynasty. The Gao family had many cases of infighting which had always led to betrayal and death. So it wasn't too far-fetched for the emperor to think that Lan Ling was planning on overthrowing him and taking the imperial throne for himself. Lan Ling eventually realized what was going on and began doing everything in his power to separate himself from the emperor, at least physically. He pretended that he had fallen gravely ill which prevented him from service in both politics and the military. Hoju either wasn't buying it or just didn't care. In 573, the emperor had a cup of wine meant for Lan Ling poisoned. The prince drank the wine, possibly even knowing that it was poisoned, and died soon after at the age of 32. Now, I'm not going to say that Lan Ling's death helped lead to the end of the Northern Qi Dynasty, but the dynasty did end four years later. The Northern Zhou invaded once more in 577 CE. By this time, Ho Zhu had eventually made a series of wild political decisions that had weakened the dynasty. Without a strong military, perhaps one led by Gao Changgong, the Northern Qi fell to their western neighbors. However, the Zhou would eventually fall a few years later when China was once more united under the Sui dynasty. Lan Ling is able to shine above the rest of his family mostly because the Northern Qi were known as a fairly ineffective dynasty. Historians like to toss around the word mad when describing the Qi emperors, which I don't really like because mad in a political sense usually ends up meaning that historical figure was suffering from mental illness and probably shouldn't have been put in that position in the first place. I mean, it probably also helps that Lan Ling was really really attractive. Though he's a fairly minor figure in the grand scheme of history, 
Lan Ling has still found his chance to shine in modern times, with the dance named after him still being performed in Japan. There was also a Chinese TV show made about him in 2013, and he also features in the Japanese mobile game Fate Grand Order, which, trust me, really throws off the ability to research Lan Ling without being asked if I want information about a pretty anime boy. But that's it for this episode of Royally Special. Be sure to subscribe to the show, tell a friend, and follow the Denim Creek page on Twitter and Instagram for more info about each episode. Regular episodes are returning next week. I hope you'll join me then for another topsy-turvy look into history's most interesting rulers. Whoa, 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 whoa.